Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. I am your host, Jake Abrams, alongside Nick Yurko, a.k.a. the Duke of Hobbies. How are we doing today, Nick? Oh, Jake, you know I'm doing good. Oh, yeah. You know I'm doing good. Um, I, I, I don't think I actually got all that much sleep last night because we kind of stayed I. up pretty, pretty late um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with uh, our first ever Triple P Saturday Select. Yes, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was like four and a half hours of, of streaming people's games on our on our um Twitch channel. On our Twitch channel, yeah, it was a lot of great games, uh, a lot of interesting matchups, and the cut, the top eight cut had a bunch of different decks that you wouldn't normally see in, in most cuts. <laughs> right, right. I think it was well played by a lot of players too. We mm-hmm. saw some really good games. We saw some interesting donks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it just, it was just, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Just the community coming in and having a good time and sticking around, being in the chat with us and commentating. Um, you know, keeping us in line at times and us yep. correcting. You know, we had we had some interesting, uh, and it also went really well again for on for our pro- local professor who ran the event, Zach Machine of Ice, uh, yep. who did such a smooth job that he only had like one question pop up the entire time. Yeah, definitely, it went smoothly on all ends, and we're looking to do these at least maybe once a month. So look forward to that, and we'll probably not even cap it um, going forward. No, no, I think we'll we'll have it open to as many players and with as just as good of a prize pool as before. Uh, but you know, hey, uh, but we got someone special here joining us today. Yes, yes, uh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll t- let you introduce him here. Yeah, so we've we've got uh, Kevin Clemente, aka Mellow Magikarp. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, welcome, welcome, and thank you again. This is actually kind of funny. We we had you on around the board a little yes. while ago, and so we were like, hey, like Jake and I were like, when are we going to get him on the podcast? And so you know, we appreciate you putting up with our crazy schedules and everything, and joining For us sure. again today. Uh, so we're super excited to have you on. Uh, you know, get just so you know, we know our locals, some of our locals know you, but uh, you know, for those who are listening, uh, you know, can you go into a little bit about your history and your how you, you know, got into the game and uh, what you kind of work on content creation wise? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me back. I had so much fun on the last time, even if I didn't win it. I just, I disagree with that, but you know, we're not, we're not gonna <laughs> bring that, that up. That's Nick's fault, not mine. <laughs> It's random. (laughs) It's rigged. Yeah, so a little bit about me. I started playing around Forbidden Ultra Prism, around Ultra Prism. Okay. And I kind of jumped into competitive almost immediately. I'm not going to go too, too in depth, but like I started playing and I played Pokemon when I was a kid. And I was like, wait, this game's fun. You know, we're going to, we're going to jump into it. And I had uh, hired a coach initially for that summer because I was like, I'm going to make a world's run. I'm going to go to regional, stuff like that. And I had a super successful first season. I got, I made it to Worlds. I had a couple good regional finishes, but I missed the day twos. And mm-hmm. I had missed day two at Worlds by one win. And so wow. I was, it was like it was a good first season. It was a good first season, but it wasn't like amazing. And so the next year was the pandemic year. And I was like, bro, we're, we're killing it this year. I ended up with 500 and something CP by December. I had day two, both regionals that I went to during the year. And I was like, all right, this is dope. And the pandemic happened. And it was like, all right, now what? <laughs> so that's when <laughs> that's when I decided to get into content creation because I was like, uh, like I'm a teacher as well. I teach high school and teaching 
during the pandemic was like, oh, there's a ton of free time, really. Mm-hmm. And it was like, mm-hmm. it sounds so bad because normally the job has zero free time at all. But just I was like, oh, what am I going to do to fill this free time? I like playing Pokemon. There's nothing else to really do. At that point, there was really just the limitless tournaments. And so I'd started streaming mm-hmm. on Twitch mm-hmm. uh, under the mellow underscore Magikarp. And at first it was just, you know, some locals hanging out and then some other people would find me and then a couple of very nice Azul raids as well. Ooh. And people would apparently some they liked something that I did because people mm-hmm. kind of kept coming back. And I saw a bunch of success in the online tournament early, which was nice because I played off stream. There's a there's a big difference in how you perform on and off stream. Yeah. But I barely missed the Limitless mm-hmm. Invitational. I got 18th place at Pog and the Twitch stream kind of kept going. Then I started YouTube as well. And it's just. I kind of really started to find the niche as like a competitive player, but also using my skills as a teacher to kind of explain what's going on. Cause I'm not great. I'm not Azul level. I'm not Mahon level. I'm not Lesage level. They are all much better players than I am, but I'm better than the average player and I'm better at explaining than most people. Yeah. And so that's I kind of where I build my niche. <laughs> yeah. Wholeheartedly. I agree with that. You're, you, you're the videos and the content you put out is, uh, very in depth, very well organized, and very straight. You know, very thoughtful uh, on how you approach your teaching um, of the game and everything. Yeah. So I think that it goes a long way, uh, especially on your Twitch streams too. Even when you're just like reviewing uh, previous games mm-hmm. and stuff, it's a lot of fun watching those. Yeah, I definitely do want to talk about um, your content and and the quality that you put out there. But uh, before that, we do have a standard questions that we ask every guest on the first time on the podcast. Um, and I would like to start out with your your favorite starter. Yeah. So this is a hard one because like I am a Gen 1 person, as in like I've been playing since, you know, the game came out. I am yeah. a boomer in the Pokemon community, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, Rowlet is probably the best one, I would say. Oh. But my heart really wants to go back to Squirtle. <laughs> Well, we've had that, or we've had both been uh, picked for sure on this podcast before. So, uh, both solid choices for sure. Oh, they're both so good. Yeah, they're both they're both amazing, and that's why I actually have not gotten to play the Sun and Moon. So, I I I, you know have not got to experience Rallet, but uh, from as a starter standpoint. But I look forward to when they finally put it on the Switch, uh, so I can play (laughs) that game. No, um, okay. So with your second, who's your favorite Pokemon in general, though? Uh, So it could be for whatever reason. It does not have to be a starter. So. The name Mellow Magikarp was made not because Magikarp's my favorite. Mag- Magikarp's not that great, but because <laughs> Gyarados is my favorite. Okay. And I was trying to figure out like a, a G name for Gyarados and I couldn't. So I was like Magikarp, but Gyarados is my favorite Pokemon. Cool. That's really neat. That's that kind of funny. Sense for sure. <laughs> cool. And then uh, what's your favorite Pokemon card um, of, uh, in all time, I guess? So it doesn't have to be uh, meta relevant. It could be because of art. Uh, favorite this is such a hard one because there's so many that i've liked and i really want to say garbador but that's because i like both garbadors so i guess uh buzzwolf from forbidden light with sledgehammer would be my favorite card of all time it's just everything about it's just so good <laughs> nice <laughs> nice it's a funny pokemon in general buzzwolf i, I think yeah. they, someone had a lot of fun creating that and it kind of you know it makes sense with someone who's a gyarados fan they, they would be also a fan of buzzwolf so that's that's really cool for sure for sure all right so the last question and i think i i, I can't believe i'm getting it this time yeah, but i'm giving it to you this time <laughs> is uh what is the worst card in the game you, you think right now i assume it's like worst as in like most unhealthy 
unhealthy uh, or just something that you hate seeing. It right. doesn't, it, it doesn't it, necessarily how, have to how be How do you interpret the worse is different for each person. So we leave it up to the, that person to kind of how they want to express it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I would have to say Arceus and Dialga and Palkia tag team GX. It's it's just so unfun to play against. It's so unfun to play. You're just kind of like, did you do the thing? Sick, you win. Did you not do the thing? You lose. And yeah, yeah it's it's just not enjoyable to play, play against. It's it's perfectly fair, technically, but no. Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a fair choice. Um it's it's a lot of YouTubers like or content creators like worst nightmare just to play against that list in the first place because you're like, oh, I'm trying this rogue deck, and then here comes ADP. You're like, well, okay, cool. Let's, let's see if we can do something against this. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just scoop it up and go to the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I think, I think it, we, we, yeah, it's such a gatekeeper of a deck that, you know, if even a fun rogue deck who's probably good against, you know, 80% of the rest of the meta, but has a 0% chance against winning against ADP is just like, this is just not fun. You know, you, you're just not worth the effort and time to get to that point. So yeah, I, I I I'm all for you on ADP there, for sure, definitely. Okay, well, cool. Um, it's awesome to be able to you know get to get to know you a little bit more um, with those questions and your kind of introduction introduction. Um, but let's let's hit the news. Because uh, there's quite a bit of um, big news out there with the uh, full set of what's the next one? Um, chilling rain. Chilling rain. Yeah. It was, uh, so the full set of chilling rain has been announced, and I kind of want to just go over maybe like two to three. Um, each of us will pick one and just kind of highlight it and and go from there. Um, and then we'll we'll end up doing a full set review um, at a further date. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say before we start this real quick, it's, it's interesting that we're battle styles introduced rap strike and single strike, and they kind of put that into the deck. And Chili Rain, at least the Japanese one, is called Silver Lance and Jet Black Spirit, which is kind of neat that they're doing those separation of name still but we don't really get to see that in the u.s it's it's an interesting kind of thing but like it's, it's neat how they organize the cards that way just just a side note that from duke that really likes that uh, from a <laughs> standpoint but all right so um kevin you know you it, it, is there a card in either in, in chilling rain that you see from that full announcement that you think oh this is going to be a game changer or you know what's standing out the most to you so standing out the most to me, this is this is not the best card. Like I don't want someone to quote me and be like, "This is what Mello said is the best card." My <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolute yeah. favorite card, and one that I think will one hundred percent be meta relevant, is Path to the Peak. So it's just a stadium ah, that says <laughs> each player's Pokemon in play with Robux has no abilities. And it's very reminiscent of Shrine of Punishment to me. It's completely different in the fact that Shrine did more damage on the field, but yeah. it it just gives single prize decks something to compete with multi-prize decks and i think it's so powerful and in a format with reset stamp and greens i also think that we could see these types of decks i'm a big fan of coco v max with the greens engine nice. and a deck like that just gets so much power of being able to go stamp to two path paralyze <laughs> and you're just like all right, so I lose now, right? <laughs> so I think it gives single prize or something. It gives uh, multi-prize decks that can abuse at something. And I just, it's so good. Yeah. yeah I, I, 
Go ahead, I had that, yeah, I had that one um, written down. I, I figured somebody would take it before me, uh, but for all the reasons you said, it's just it's 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 going to you know everybody's like oh to ten a you can't do because power plant, but now this is this is shutting off that other consistency card that's huge in most every deck um, in Crobat and in into another like Cricketune kind of it hasn't really got a stride yet, but it's definitely kind of a um, hurting that Cricketune variant as well. Right. You know, you're just, again, I love the ability to identify the roll box call from Pokemon. That was a great addition to the just viewing of the game in terms of here's the words that we're going to use instead of putting GX and V and moving forward, whatever extra letters they attach onto the Pokemon. Uh, So this goes a long way. And, you know, this card is going to, you know, this is, this is, we, we have this and a couple other stadiums that are like, hey, you're not sure what to put in? Well, you need a stadium. This is your stadium to go to. Uh, this, you know, this can easily fit in with so many decks out there. Um, and I think, Kevin, you brought up a good point. This is going to go a long way for single pricers and, and mm-hmm. baby cards because they, they're, they've been looking a way to chip into this multi prize card for a while. Um, and, you know, it's going to be super helpful. Uh, especially Mad Party. Mad Party's going to love this card. <laughs> See, I actually disagree on that one. I don't think Mad Party wants to use this ever. Yeah, because they, the, they have the Dedenes and Crobats t- typically. Yeah, typically. Well, you you can have that for your draw support, but if you're if you get the teapots out, uh, the pultitees, pulti dice out, then you can actually just use that ability instead to get the draw and the discard going on. You know, we see the evolution of it, and, and the more the more and more that uh, Mad Party doesn't have to use the Dene or or Crobats, then the better for them because it, as soon as they don't have multi prizers down, it really impacts the the game against other multi prizer decks. I'd be curious if they can build consistently that way. If they can, that would be broken. Like that deck would actually just be disgusting. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like if they're able to do that, then oh, that's mm-hmm. that's terrifying. <laughs> I hope they can't actually do that. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully not. We'll see. I mean, the, the future, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential for that mad party still, um, regardless of some cards that are coming out that's going to hurt it. Um, but yeah, that's a, um, that, that's a very solid choice. I think... Even if it's not the top best card, I think this will be a card that sees play in every or a lot of deck archetypes um, until the day it rotates. Yes. Yes. Cool. So, Nick, you want to take uh, take one? Hopefully okay. you don't steal the one I have in mind. Yeah. So I know you did pick this one, Jake, but it's been a while since we've had a, you know, other than I, can't, I believe it was the EX version or gx version of a weevil out weevil out uh but i really like the stage one rapid strike weevil you did take Uh, it (laughs) now did i i didn't expect this because it's a single i love this i love this ability stage one 110 hp so no level ball grabbing with it uh but single colorless two hit ko if the defending pokemon takes damage from one of your rapid strike pokemon during your next turn it is knocked out oh is this is a partner mm-hmm. and a half out on the field. The fact that it's a colorless energy to do this two hit KO just is going to allow rapid strike Urshifu to have a, uh, in my mind, another partner that just really can go in here and do what it needs to do. Uh, being a rapid strike poke, having the tag in there, artillery mm-hmm. can find this when need be, if necessary to set up the big knockouts. Um, you could see multi prizes oddly taken in a weird way because of G max yes. blow. So this was, I'm super excited for this card for rapid strike. 
So yeah, I am too. And um, I'll let Kevin talk about it, but there is a card that I had kind of in mind in combination with this, but I think this card has potential to be really, really good. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know this card existed. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of cards here. How, you know, it's not easy. We've been, we had Jake was like, "Hey, Nick, you reading these?" And I'm like, uh, uh, like I'm looking through, and I'm like, "Oh man, that's a good one." <laughs> you know, like yeah, he's like, "This is a good one. This is a good one." He's like, "Okay, I know my card." <laughs> <laughs> I just got real quiet. <laughs> yeah. So I would say my one issue with this is switch. Switch is a staple, and it's going to stay a staple at least as long as Pikaram exists, which is mm-hmm. going to be till rotation. So that would be my one concern. I'd Maybe post-rotation, because post-rotation, there's a world where you go down to one or zero switches, and yep. suddenly this becomes a, hey, medical, you know, no one's yeah. playing switch, and suddenly you just bop everyone in the face. So future, potential. Currently, I, I don't think, because I just go, okay, I'm going to switch or retreat my card, and then uh, GG's. <laughs> like, you just wasted your turn. Right. No, I, I agree. I 100% agree that, that that is the issue. But that might cause, in my mind, I, I don't know, I always like a little disruption that way. So you could, if you cause them to rotate out and they can't switch, double switch back, cool. And, you know, that could, that could be the case. But I, to your point also, escape rope exists out there. And it's, we're seeing that every, in almost pretty much every deck now because uh, it's so easy to throw down and yeah. be still useful. I, I believe that uh, Kevin was saying that uh, Escape Rope was going to change the meta, and he was 100% right on that one. Yes. Uh, okay, so yeah, going in uh, on top of that Weavile, the card I kind of had uh, circled um, to kind of be a combo with him is Zero Aura V, um, a Lightning Rapid Strike Pokemon. Um, he has uh, one attack that is a Lightning color, Colorless Colorless um, Cross Fist, uh, 100 damage. If any of your other rapid poke uh, strike Pokemon use an attack during the last turn. This attack does 160 damage to one of your benched Pokemon. So it doesn't even have to do damage. So like if you were combination or combining that with uh, the Weavile, um, it, it knocks out because of Weavile, the, the active, and you're also doing 160 to a bench. So you're potentially getting a lot of prizes off um, <laughs> off the board there. And even if you're not uh, knocking things out with uh, like the Weavile combo and you just have it in like a Urshifu Rapid Strike or something to that effect, you are kind of like chaining attacks where you're kind of hitting the bench and active um, on top of the other Rapid Strike po- Pokemon. Yeah, I, I feel like what you're hitting on head on here is the theme of Rapid Strike being that one-two punch mm-hmm. all the way through now. And it's coming th- further through with Chilling Rain, which... Uh, every time I look more and more at these cards is really rap is battle styles part two. Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of fall- finally seeing the full evolution of these battle style Pokemon. So rapid strike, you know, really is been hurting a little bit in terms of who's the second follow up for um, Urshifu. If it's Dragapult at times or, but he's not rapid strike. So that kind yeah, of hurts. This, this might week. actually work a little bit better because he does share that uh, rapid strike tag. Right, right. And the fact that and then it's it's a single lightning and two colorless energy, which means you can put the rapid strike energy on there and it covers that. And then you're just putting in Aurora or electrical, depending on how you build the deck. And boom, now Zorora V can attack uh, for 210 HP. Yeah, it's it's a little lower for the, the V for the V Pokemon, but 100 damage with 160 to a bench is pretty awesome in my mind. How about you, uh, Kevin? What did you think about it? I agree. I like this card for a variety of reasons. Like obviously Mew from Unbroken Bonds is in like every deck right now. So yeah. that, that that hurts it. But 
it has just so much synergy in so many different situations. Like, uh, let's look at Pikaram real quick. Pikaram currently gets kind of bopped by Mimikyu from Celestial Storm. It's not mm-hmm. Celestial, bro. I keep thinking Celestial Cosmic Eclipse. Yes. yes. Stopping yeah. your Mewtwo and like uh, Urshifu, for example. This has the ability to go like, all right, well, cool. I'm going to boss. I'm going to cross fist the Mimikyu for knockout. And I'm going to put 160 on your uh, Urshifu, or I can knock out your Jirachi GX or, you know, something like that. So it's kind of cool to fit in there. And you mentioned the ability to go rapid strike energy plus lightning. It's been messed around with, at least I've done it. And I assume other people have to playing Coco Prism Star in mm-hmm. rapid strike Urshifu. Cause then you just go rapid strike plus dance of the ancients. Yep. This synergizes with that as well. So then you can, uh, what, G-Max Rapid Flow in one turn with yeah. Coco plus Rapid Strike, yep. or you can Cross Fist in one turn with the exact same thing, or you put a Lightning on both. So yeah. it's super cool. I think the one thing is how prevalent is Mew going to be? Because if Mew is too prevalent, it hurts it. But like being able to knock out uh, Dedenne GX, Jirachi GX, being able to show, uh, shove a telescopic sight on it and KO Crobat and stuff like that. It seems really good. Yeah. Yeah. The fact it's interesting that there's more damage to the bench with it, with the attack. Like normally this, in my mind, I would expect this to be 160 to the active and uh, uh, hundred to the bench, but they're like, no, 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 let's switch this around. Um, no, I think they, if, if anything's attacking the bench, it needs to be able to do uh, <laughs> significant damage to, to, to Dene's or the, you know, those, those consistency Pokemon, the two prizers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You love, you love to see the bench sitters get punished, mm-hmm. but not punished by an ultimate ray. That, that feels bad. <laughs> they shouldn't be worth three prizes, but it's nice to see cards like Cramorant, Zero Aura, you know, Tag Bolt GX being able to take those. Right. Yeah. I couldn't, agree. I couldn't agree more on that point for sure. All right. Um, so, Kevin, do you have any other ones that uh, have stuck out to you? Yeah. Uh, another one is I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly because obviously when you play the game, it's uh, not audio, but Peonia. Oh, I had him. No. <laughs> yes, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it too. Uh, I'm not sure either, but yeah, that's uh, that's what's uh, Rose's brother, right? That is uh, so in or, the what's it called in the DLC? Shoot. There's two characters that are added in a. Uh, oh my gosh, whichever the last DLC was, and there's two okay. main characters. Uh, Crown that's Tundra. The, Crown Tundra. Yeah. This is the daughter, correct? Yeah. It, well, it's a female no, no. character, so I would assume. No, this is Pe- Peony. Peony is it's, is is the male character. Is uh, uh, I believe is his cousin or brother. Or um, something I'm like looking that. at the card right now. Um, it looks like a female to me. Which card? Yeah, because Wait, there's I... also uh, Peony. Oh, who is, I'm pretty sure Peony's the dad, and Peony is the daughter. Oh, who I'm sorry. Crown Tundra. Yeah, I, I I misheard. That is my my fault there. But yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, that is uh, his. That is his daughter. Cool. I was making sure it's like it's been a while since I played the DLC, so maybe I I'm even the DLC. So I'm so lost. <laughs> it's very good. I highly suggest. It's worth fifteen dollars. I would say. Yeah, you're yeah. so uh, you sold me. I, I'll I'll download it and play it here. <laughs> Uh, but what this card does is choose up to three of your prizes and put them into your hand, then place the same number of cards from your hand face down as prize cards. This isn't a staple. Like this isn't. You don't shove this in ADP probably, mm-hmm. but. This is just so powerful because when you play a deck like Control, for example, you're just like, 
I have to have these cards. Like you don't take prizes. You have to get your Jesse James or your stamps or whatever. And it just adds so much because those decks used to play Gladion, which was one card. You know, you replace Gladion with one of your face down prizes up to three, which anyone who's played enough control or stall knows that you prize more than one good card consistently. So you're able to go like, you know, you look at your hand, you're like, I don't need this Giratina tech for this game. I'm going to shove it in my prize. I'm going to take out this card that I do need. It's. I think it's so powerful. A control is slept on right now because we're currently in a best of one world instead of a best of three world. Yep. So it adds control. Uh, it adds some power to control. Potentially, there could be other decks that run one ofs. Like you never played in Picaron, but you can grab your Coco Prism, I guess. You know, it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I'm sure someone else will find a use for the card, but just it existing is good for the game, in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah. And, and those control archetypes are slowly building up. You know, a, uh, a stockpile of cards that they're like, oh, that might be good in a, in, mm-hmm. this, in this deck. So, um, yeah, I think control will be seeing a lot more play. You know, not necessarily with this set, but you know, in the future for sure. Yeah, no, I, I I'm in the same boat with you, uh, with both of you here. I think this is a uh, very useful card, going to go a long way for control primarily. Uh, it's also probably one of those cards, like you said, that most decks can fit like a one of if they feel like oh, I'm always not getting what I need because it's prized. Here you go, like stick it in, take your Phoebe out, put this in instead. Um, for sure. Okay, so uh, Nick, do you have uh, one more you want to talk about? Okay, well, so I thought he had taken mine. <laughs> and uh, I did actually really like uh, just one of the ones that stand out. Again, it's, I believe it's her father, Peony. It has a Y on it, but I believe these are the relatives to Rose in the game. So discard your hand. So similar effect, discard your hand and search your deck for up the two trainer cards, reveal them and put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. So he's, I see this as a, is a last resort kind of card that kind of goes with Rose in a weird way uh, in terms of, you know, it, it later game need that set up or even early game. If you don't have what you need, uh exactly this can kind of swing the game back in your favor uh gonna pair well with cricketune so i see that kind of again that if you're already running cricketune this is a good card to have in there um you know again you can get exactly like if you're if you need to get rid of the power plant and play you know grab you know you can grab what you the stadium put the stadium down you know play something that allows you to draw up and you know more cards or activate cricketune to draw up the rest of the cards so again i think this is a, a more like another last resort later gameplay but um if you're running cricketune and you have rose in there you could probably fit this in and just be just as good too with it too what's your guys thoughts on them um so i think um it's almost like a, a Skyla effect where you're looking maybe for an item too, where you can find maybe some disruption items or double disruption, and then you can pair it with uh, Cricketune, like you said. Um, so there's definitely um, a world where I see this um, going into decks. Will it go into every deck? No. Um, but it definitely, I think, will have um, some play potential for sure. Right. You bring up a good point uh, for disruption because you could grab uh fan of waves if you need to and that could be the weakness guard that comes off and it allows you to get the attack off that wins so you know there's i see a lot of potential for it too but again it's like like we saw with rose it's very niche in a weird way sorry kevin i didn't mean to interrupt uh what's your what's your thoughts on it no you're good uh i'm I'm so torn between this card. This card's either really, really good or mm-hmm. completely unplayable, <laughs> but I'm happy stuff like that exists. Cause it just, it's so interesting and it gives us options to like deck build with. 
So like you said, the cricket tune idea is not bad. You search your deck for any two trainer cards can be just so powerful because mm-hmm. I like you, I mean, you've already mentioned it, you know, you can go out and grab a fan of waves. You just, you can take a one of normally you have to play two, if not three fan of waves. If you actually want to get value out of it, you can be like, Oh no, I'm going to go grab it. You know, sometimes it's just better to draw exactly what you need rather than play the Dedenne lottery and just hope to get yep. what right. you want. And so that's why it's like, this card is super interesting and I really hope it's good. I'm a big fan of searching your deck. I think if we play a format where you search your deck to get what you want every single turn, instead of just vomit everywhere and hope you draw it, it's, it's a, it's a healthy format. So I like the card. I really hope it's good, but I also, I'm, I'm hesitant because I'm also afraid it's going to be absolutely unplayable. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's either going to be trash or or really really good. <laughs> um, okay, so I I have at least one more, and I'm not going to go with the like the super meta with like the shadow or Calyrex because that's going to be broken, and we've kind of talked <laughs> about it in the past. Um, I'm really this is this is um, everybody's complaint I think right now in the game. Um, it's well, it's ADP with hammers. Uh, or or hammers because of ADP, or now fan of waves. Um, there's finally a play around. It, it, that's the new greedent with the uh, the brazen <laughs> tail. Prevent all effects from your opponent's items and supporter cards that would discard energy from your hand or return it, the energy from your Pokemon to your deck. So crushing hammers. Um, answer to that fan of waves crushing to that there was another one i forget her team name yell grunt. uh team mm-hmm. yell grunt there's there was another one that um, flannery flannery just got, got added yeah yep. Yep. just got added and i'm sure there's some stuff in um expanded as well that kind of messes with your with your energy um it is a stage one so if you do go first uh, you can't really get it out right away so that first turn for your opponent they can still use you know whatever disruption and that could be the time but at least this gives you uh, players an option to work around those hammers, especially if they stay really relevant in the in the meta. Yeah, I, I just have a, I like it. I think it's good. I also go, how am I going to fit this at the same time? Because like, do you run a one one line of it? Do you try to run a two two line of it? Because now you're cutting into your consistency. Do you play the meta the 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 mental meta game where you're like, you know what? I assume everyone's just not going to run hammers now because of the fact that this could be an oh, option. People run hammers, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just like again, like you could, you could take that risk. Uh, it's just a to me, it's like I, this. It's a super strong ability, but where do I fit it in at this fair, point? Fair, fair points. What, what do you think, Kevin? I'm in agreement. I'm glad this card exists. This card existing yeah. is just plain good for the game, and. I mean, there's absolutely no reason to expect that decks can't fit it in there. If you're playing a deck that searches stuff out, I don't know what is Greedence. It's not level wall searchable, it's not, right? It's 120 uh, no, it's HP, which is which, not, yeah. yeah, that'd which be too good. Yeah, yeah. If it was 90 <laughs> HP, boof, it would be level ball would just be immediate staple, and so would this be in the deck. Um, level wall is already already really good. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's such a good card. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a staple, but I'm glad it exists because. If there's ever a time where control decks are super powerful and energy removal control specifically, right. I'm happy that we have a tech against it to just yep. be like, I evolved into this. Now, what's your win condition? And they're just kind of like, scoop. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and to, and to, to quick further point, out. to further, um, you know, on this card, uh, to your guys's point, um, it might not actually be um, really meta or 
relevant in this next set, but maybe after rotation when the game does perceive to be slower, um, mm-hmm. it might you know open up room for you to kind of have that. So you're not necessarily going to go like research to Dene Crobat uh, and then oh we're just like like you said throwing up cards and hoping you hit it. This is more methodical kind of a game, and he might fit into a deck um, more in that kind of a meta. You know, it, it it could be funny with it too. It's just that we can see it kind of come in and I don't know, just it's just kind of disrupts everything for a little while because you you know he you know who's going to do something with this is I'm Dan calling count the money coming is going to come out and he's going to start swinging hard with this and he's going to be like yeah I just nod you for ninety damage and you can't ret- <laughs> you can't do anything to my whole bench or something like that I, I guarantee you there's going to be there's going to be anti-control control decks out there because of this now so (laughs) what is cool now that you mentioned that that kind of got me thinking there are other good greedants out there right yes like there's the hit and run greedant that uh Mm -hmm. goes back to your hand and there's the one that searches out tools so having this as synergy with two other very interesting cards is actually potentially going to be really good i'm not i'm not a good deck builder so i don't know that's i wait for other people to come up with the ideas and then i make it better but like having those out there is also kind of like wait this could actually be quite good yeah Yeah, the the potential's there for sure i'm excited to see this and hopefully maybe see some of this energy disruption just kind of go away Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that probably do it unless you guys think there's uh, a card that we must talk about right now. I mean, I just want to add, as you already said, Shadow Rider Calrex is just good. I think that's yeah. why none of us said it. It's it's yeah, clearly yeah. good. It's boring it's, to talk about. Yeah, at this point, it's spo- it's been out uh, or it's been spoiled probably what like a month ago or so, maybe yeah. a little less. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've had time to digest that. Some of these other cards are just um, so interesting to talk about and like, maybe just like lightly theorycraft. So uh, yeah, for sure. All right. So with that, let's go into our whimsy watch. Hello, it's time for another Whimsy Watch meta report. Today we look at how Eternatus is still a top player in this meta, Rapid Strike Urshifu is jumping out as the best deck from Battle Styles, but first we have to talk about the Triple P Saturday Select. Our very first online tourney and boy was it a fun one. We had a limited field which opened the possibilities for a creative deck list to shine and we got a few. Now sitting at the top of the meta share we had those usual suspects, Turnitus, Reshazard, Mewtwo and Victini. We also had both the Urshifus, but we had some other creatives lists as well. Kurt, that's his screen name, brought my favorite in Alcremi. We also had good friend of the cast Dan Ondurko bring Altaria and Hitmachan uh, and he brought it to a winning record. But the deck that ended up catching everyone by surprise was Gengar and Mimikyu GX with Omastar. Brought to us by Kilvius. This deck is special and uniquely locks your opponent out of playing cards while punishing their Pokemon for having those cards in hand. It finished undefeated and was our first Saturday Select winner. For a complete look, be sure to check out all the videos of our Saturday Select over on our YouTube channel. Now, back to the rest of the week. I wanted to spotlight Rapid Strike Urshifu. Uh, it's be- that the version that is being dubbed the Nets version. That is the one that is seeing the top place finishes out in the field. It uses Jirachi along with other various tech Pokemon such as Gir- Giratinas, Zigzagaloons, along with those scoop up nets to find all the answers necessary to seal victories. If you haven't already and you're a fan of Rapid Strike, you should give this some table time. Lastly, 
I wanted to bring up Eternatus. I remember hearing before Battle Styles that Eterm was going to be unplayable due to not one, but two new and good weakness matchups being inserted into the meta, but it has found a way to win. Poison still does okay, but the top Eternatus decks have found more success with a simpler strategy using mostly goons and evitals build up the bench with various texts as Power Plant and Weavile GX or Umbreon Darkrai GX. I think it's safe to say that E-Turn has survived the Urshifus in this meta, but we, will see, we shall see if it continue to withstand the onslaught with the addition of Galarian Zapdos coming soon. Well guys, that's going to wrap up this week's watch. As always, find me on Twitter at WatchWhimsy, and I'll see you next week. All right, thank you, Chuck. Yeah, always great as, uh, with the air. And let's let's talk about meta though, Jake. We we yeah. gotta talk a little bit about this meta because right now, uh, especially with the triple P Saturday select ha having happened, uh, me and you were hitting, talking about it during that time, uh, during the event. But you know, with Kevin here on, we we really want to hear your thoughts on what you think is with this meta that's currently being played out right now. Because I don't know about you, but Compared to pre-battle styles, like I'm really enjoying the healthiness of this meta. Like I, mm. I like it a lot personally. What's your thoughts on it? I agree hundred percent on that. Like as far as playing the game goes, this is just so much better. Like everything feels good. And like I mentioned this on Twitter on someone else's thread, but like the there's still the issue of like the game is so fast that yes, sometimes you miss something, turn one and lose, and that feels bad. But as a whole, like games are going longer, there's more chance to outplay your opponent rapid strike urshifu existing has been way more positive than i was expecting i was mm. kind of expecting either it's going to be broken or trash but it's super balanced and it's i don't know how the game designers did this or if it was by accident but it is really <laughs> balanced stuff out nicely to the point where the game is fun again so i'm i'm really enjoying where the meta is at it's diverse it's healthy there's mm. decks that take skill there's super beginner friendly decks but they're not excessively oppressive like they were in the vivid voltage format where eternatus just went attach 270 ggs you know yeah, so it's right. it's nice yeah right. so i mean we still have the you know the big three from the former um you know meta with picaram adp and eternatus they're still really good decks but they have been pushed down um because of the new stuff that's come in and because those big meta decks have come in um, you you can see a bunch of rogue decks that have a chance to win against you know mostly anything. So like you just you just playing on ladder, you see plenty of like fire decks, psychic decks, um, fighting, and even like single prizers. Um, for, like, mostly mad party, but you, you they they are relevant and, and at least you know like you said the games are going longer, uh, so there's more skill and thoughtfulness to those games. Um, so yeah, I can't agree more. Um, I do want to kind of just like go over some of the variants like in some of these different categories so we with uh urshifu coming up there you know there's there's a influx of mewtwo and like welder mewtwo's and just like fire decks in general so let's let's kind of just dive into those four fire decks so you got the mewtwo variant you got fictini really good uh variant you got the tempo's art still and and set score still a solid deck so what is your thoughts just in fire in general in this meta right now yeah, so I 
am a big fan of fire, although welder feels bad. I took it to an online tournament and I literally hit two welders in six rounds and it's like, oh, geez. this feels great. I love this so much. So like so sometimes that happens, right? right? But like as a whole, welder decks are super powerful. Uh, there are two variants that I'm a big fan of right now is uh, Tempozard. Mm-hmm. Tempozard is it's just so good. If we had best of three formats, I think people would acknowledge that it is tier one undisputed mm-hmm. because it sets up about 75% of the time. In best of one, that's bad. In right. best of three, you only got to set up 66% of the time and you can go undefeated. Right. So I think Tepozard is incredibly good. It's incredibly powerful. It is. It has answers to absolutely everything depending on the build. It's, it's just such a good deck. And like I said, it will dead draw. You take it to a best of one tournament. Sometimes you just lose because you lose nothing you can do about that, but it's so good. And the second one that I'm a big fan of that no one is talking about right now is victory scorch or victini and Senna scorch in the same deck. I think I did it's, see it's, you it post that on Twitter, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, was, that was you. <laughs> so it sounds bad. And I know that because when my friend introduced it to me, I was like, this is stupid. Why are we playing two V maxes in the same deck? But he, so shout out to Senior Doom, Zach Roy. He's also a Twitch streamer. He's an artist. It's very cool. Go follow him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But he played it at four major events. He got top 16 in a 300 person limitless with it. He Ooh. won the Glimwood Challenge, a 60 person tournament, and top aided the chill, you know, the massive like tropical yeah. beach one. Yeah. He yeah. top cut that one too with the deck. And it's just like, all right, this deck is good. And then I took it to a tournament on Friday and I ended up dropping at five, one, I still made cut apparently, but I ended up dropping. Cause I was like, I'm going to go do other stuff with my day. Like it was a free tournament, no prizing, but it was like, the deck is clearly good. Like, yeah. I don't know why no one's playing this. It has only done well for us. And the reason why I think is because Senna Scorch, you made them go first and they just kind of died. Right. Yeah. This one, you make it go first and you're just like, all right, cool. I'm attached to Victini and now I'm going to boss KO your V turn two. Mm-hmm. They make you go second. And you're like, cool. I'm going to flare start in my Senna Scorch and I'm going to OCO you turn two. As just having both of those options yeah. and the deck is built in a way where you can actually find those options feels really good. And I don't know why people are sleeping on it outside of the fact that it sounds clunky, but when you actually play it, it's, it's pretty good. So I think that one's definitely slept on. Not as good as Tempos are, I don't think, but... I'm a pretty big fan of it just because you have so many options. You still lose to Picarom, but who cares? Senna Scorch loses to Picarom anyway. Just just yeah. take the L. Yeah. I mean, no, you, no, you, you said options, and I'm always a big fan of options. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's three most important words, options, consistency, and options. Um, <laughs> no, but it, like, again, I think the one thing that a lot of people are underestimate is the fact that like Victini is the probably Victini VMAX specifically is going to be the one post welder era of fire that Mm. that's how you're going to have to rely on. And the fact that you can just start placing that energy down uh, on on top of Victini. And then right now, how I see it is the bench is set up with Senna Scorch and you just start weldering to your Senna Scorch over and over and over again. Like you said, if you go first Victini after uh, round you know, turn two for you, if you have two energy because you could just manually attach to it, then welder all of a sudden onto your center scorch and you're just accelerating their bench follow-up attacker to be in for a quick strike for instant wins. Um, uh, it is, but like, but also there's just that other version of Ectini that we saw in Triple P Saturday Select that was so consistently at dis- disruption that mm. I get why they didn't have the Senna Scorch in there too. So it's like, 
it's really neat with fire in my mind that they have a lot of crazy options. And I think it's the most right now. I think out of all the deck types out there, it's the mm. most. Um, and, you know, is that because fire's best in the meta? No, I just think that fire just has welder. <laughs> I mean, well, there's a good card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like nothing on that card that's not good. Drawing cards is good. Attaching extra energy is good. Like you're literally just cheating, right? You're, yeah. you're <laughs> attaching extra energy. Sometimes more. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the only thing it doesn't do is pull the Pokemon that you want to knock out from the bench right now. Like if it could have been, it's, it's it like so well. close to perfect. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, uh, that would be gross. That is the one way you beat the welder dexes. <laughs> Just because they can't gust, yep. which is why I like the Victini with the Senna Scorch, because exactly. you play four boss still, because you're like, all right, cool. I can still yep. gust. And mm -hmm. you can even fit room for professors and, and um, Marnies in certain builds because you don't need Welder necessarily. Um, oh, yeah. So again, just more options. Um, but speaking of Welder, the, he has made, um, you know, the Mewtwo variant um, very popular. It's not just Welder, but Mewtwo with... Um, Urshifu's both single and rapid strike. Um, we've seen a huge uptick in in the psychic variants with Mewtwo. Um, what, what are your thoughts on all the Mewtwo decks? I don't like Welder Mewtwo at all. Um, I used to love Welder Mewtwo back when we could mm -hmm. turbo strike, but now having to rely on Welder feels like you're just the worst Welder deck. <laughs> and people are going to disagree with that. That's fine. I'm just I'm not a huge fan. A uh, Relish exists, which yep. is the Rillaboom. Uh, the grass Mewtwo. Mm -hmm. I'm the only person on my team who doesn't like it. Like the rest of Carpe <laughs> D's rats is like, this deck's broken. I love it. It's the, I hate it. I don't know why it doesn't work for me. Um, so it's, it's good. It is a very good deck. I would like that over Welder Mewtwo. Mm -hmm. Lightning Mewtwo is currently dead. Although I would like to point out, we get the Zapdos in the next set. So don't, don't put that one away yet. That one will be back. I think. Yeah. And then the one that you alluded to is the Psychic Mewtwo, which I think is actually very good. It's this weird, you attach one energy per turn, which sounds bad. You use Star Search from Jirachi GX to accelerate energies. But the reason the deck wins is you can play some of the most broken attacks in the game. One of them is Nightwatch. Yeah. Marnie plus Nightwatch is disgusting. And you just beat so many decks by going like, cool, you have a two-card hand. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You yeah. also have Whorehouse, uh, you have yeah. Outrage, you have Calamitous Slash, you have Vileplume, GX to mm. 180 for two. It's It just has so many options. It's a very strong deck. Difficult to play at times because the deck is clunky. And sometimes you have to figure out like, well, this isn't what I want to do. So what's the best play of the ones I can do? And right. But it's, it's quite fun. It's quite good as well. So I, I think solid deck. Yeah. And then again, uh, with with uh, fighting, we have the new Urshifu single strike and rapid strike, which I think really kind of just opened the metagame up in total. Um, but they're great decks on their own. Um, I know we had discussions um, on previous um, episodes and even on around, around the board about like rapid strike versus single strike. And and most people at first started to go with the, you know, the the single strike. Um, what what team are you on when it comes to the Urshifus? <laughs> Uh, definitely Rapid Strike, and I'm a big fan of the Limitless Teams version, which Pedro Torres has been playing a lot in tournaments mm -hmm. and stuff like that with the Cinchino. Mm -hmm. it's, it's super difficult to play, which is part of the fun of it, because you know the other version, the Jirachi Net version, which is good. Don't get me wrong. That is a very good deck. 
but you yeah. kind of just like play the cards you draw this in Chino version. You have to set up a board state. You have to get, and you have access usually to what you need every single turn, which sounds really good until you remember that you actually have to pick the right thing every single time. Cause you play a bunch of one ofs yeah. and you have access to them, but like are you using them at the right time. But having those options is just so, so, so powerful. So I'm team rapid strike right now and specifically team rapid strike with Sinchino because mm -hmm. being able to draw cards every turn is good. You're Marnie proof, you're stamp proof. You play karate belt because you're always losing. Right. But that means that you can just uh, G max rapid flow for game. You have what is it? Energy assist on Sinchino is actually a super powerful attack because 150 plus 150 plus 40 KOs everything in the meta right now. Mm -hmm. So that's incredibly good. And then sometimes you just energy assist, put another energy on the bench and say, I'm going to G max rapid flow next turn. What are you going to do about it? And your opponent's just like, uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll scoop up my cars and uh, have a good day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool. And, and then the last kind of, I mean, we could talk rogue deck too, but, um, um, just single single uh, prize decks, mostly mm. like um, Mad Party with the additional level ball, seeing a lot of um, uptick in percentage of play in all these online tournaments, usually being like the third most played deck. So uh, it definitely opened the door for them as well. Thoughts on single uh, prize decks? Like you said, Mad Party is easily the best one right now, and it's good. It is a very good deck. Don't get me wrong, but I'm... I hate the rapid strike matchup. The rapid strike matchup should be an auto win and it's mm. not. And it's just like, it's how like you can great catcher the Jirachi GX and then you Oko them every turn, but they're so fast. They're so consistent. Mad yep. party's not consistent. A good deck, very fun deck. One of my favorites to play. It's capable of winning absolutely every tournament that it plays yep. in. It's also capable of going Oh, three drops in the best hands in the game. Yep. So mad party's good. It is a good meta call right now as a whole. It beats just about everything. It's a very fun deck as well. Also a very good budget deck, which I'm a huge fan of. I think the game should be pretty affordable. Mm -hmm. Getting mad parties, not hard. The Denes are pretty cheap. You only need one crow bat. So I'm also quite a fan of that, but it's, it just lacks something for me. It's meta tier two, good deck, not amazing. And yep. the second one that has fallen off is Spiritomb which I don't think is rogue. I know you said, maybe we'll talk about ro not rogue. Good deck. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've played too. against it a few times. Um, and it de definitely with the escape rope and the spike myth, just building that energy uh, pretty fast. Um, you can, you can take some one shot kills. Um, if, if you catch your opponent, not re really um, paying attention or, or not really having any text for it. So um, definitely it leaves uh, uh, it open for, for spirit team as well. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I think I think Spiritomb, I, I find it funny is it came in like a hot storm here for a hot second, uh, it took over a bunch of tournaments, and then you have the typical reaction of everyone plays it on the ladder, and they go, this isn't easy, how does this win? <laughs> and then they go back to Senate Scorch, um, <laughs> you know, but, and that's not even to say Senate Scorch is easy, I'm just saying it's like, it's amazing, like, Battle Styles has been Interestingly enough, uh, how I see it has this weird quick rotation of a, okay, this is hot right now, 
but it's really difficult to play. And so it reels itself in and then just see the old decks reappear. So like Picarama is back and Turnitus is back. And then I guarantee you, we're going to see Decidigoon come flying back hard <laughs> soon because no one's prepping for it. And no one's been setting up for it since it went away a little bit ago because of the Urshifus, but, uh, and Dragapult. And so like, I, we're going to see them come back in a hot storm. And I, I think that's the interesting in-house rotation I've seen with battle styles that I personally like. Um, but, you know, again, um, you know, spear tomb is good. Is yeah. I agree with you, Kevin. It is not a road deck. It's <laughs> always been there. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just that people realize it's not for them. And I think that's what's kind of scares it away from showing up at tournaments. Yes. Yeah, it's for, yeah. quite hard to play. I've watched streamers play it and just like you know just like random people or random opponents and they like they want to just go big and it's like you have to set up a board sometimes you're like yeah you can hit 130 turn one but like who cares like yeah. then you have nothing else to go with it right so yeah it's like it's definitely a deck where reps matter and no one wants to put in reps for understandable reasons like if you're playing a tournament every day you don't want to also grind the ladder right so it's it's hard it's it's not tier one either which is also you know, sometimes like, why do I want to put hours of work into a tier two deck when I can just play Rapid Strike Urshifu and do well, which <laughs> I can't argue with that at all. Yeah, right, there, that's why ADP, that's why ADP sticks around. <laughs> ADP is always going to be around because it's a good fallback deck to go to. Uh, if you can figure out master its sequencing, you're going to do well with it, regardless of how the, the rest of the meta is being called right now. So, so. so in my opinion right now, we, we have a... A kind of a really good mix of you know pro players that have been playing veteran player or you know veteran players and a lot of new players that are, are really pretty good at the game um you know various different levels but if you just fall back on those adps um and you don't put that time into those b tier decks like you were just saying um spirit tomb is just the one that we're talking about here um whenever rotation hits we're not going to have that same meta where we're just like oh we're just dead acrobat uh professors and whatnot it's going to be more thoughtful so if you put the time in now it might help you down the line in the future when we do have more of a thoughtful game after rotation I agree hundred percent. That's a good, that's a really good point. Cause like I could play peak. I could play peak wrong every format since it came out. Cause I mm -hmm. have been, but I still grab other stuff because it's like, yes, knowing how to play one deck really well, will get you very far, but yes. then suddenly it's gone. Suddenly it's not meta and it will hurt <laughs> like a light will hurt your soul first off, mm -hmm. but then it also hurts your ability to grow in the game. So I think that was a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know what, and this is a great transition into, you know, again, you talked about uh, Kevin about, how you want to teach and learn the game here you know that's like as a someone who's trying to teach other people to learn the game and you you dove into having a coach to be able to experience you know get that growth as a player you know how do you see what's some strategies that you suggest that players who are who are like on the verge of like trying to either step up their competitive play like you know like they're just like ah i don't know why i'm not making day two or phase two like what do you think are certain key facts that they should be doing to improve their play there's like there's a handful of stuff right uh the first one would be play the game is the biggest one and i know that sounds like a big old duh but like yeah. the more reps you have the better and most importantly the more thoughtful reps you have so i'm the type of person who a lot of the time if i'm playing ladder off stream it's just for fun. 
I'm queuing up Spiritomb or I'm queuing up, you know, something that I'm just like, this deck's enjoyable and I'm not paying attention. Those hours don't really count as testing or anything. I'm just playing the game. I'm not thinking that much, you know, it's, you have to put in thoughtful work. And that's one of the reasons why I think these tournaments are going so well for people. Or like, it's like people consider the tournaments better testing because they're actually paying attention. So play the game more, but also play the game thoughtfully. Think about your turns, stuff like that. And you may be saying kind of like, how do I know what to think about? Well, there's a variety of ways to figure out what to think about. Watching players who are both good at explaining and uh, who know what they're doing is a good idea. So I'm obviously going to say watching me on Twitch is a good one because I will happily answer any and all questions. But there's a ton of other ones who are very good explainers. Azul GG is one of them. Uh, Very often, you know, he's the type of person who will do stuff without mentioning it, but he will answer any questions happily. Tricky Jim's another one where he will just play the game to play the game. But if you're like, wait, why was that the optimal play? He will break it down in a way that everyone can get. And so kind of watching and asking questions live is another really good way to do it. You know, you're not just watching for entertainment, although you can, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But like, if you want to get better at the game, kind of think about why are they making this play? What play would I make? And then don't be afraid to ask, why did you make that play? Sometimes it wasn't the optimal play. Sometimes you're correct. And it's good to get that reassurance of like, oh, I did think of the right play, you know, because when you're streaming, you're also entertaining. You make suboptimal plays. So kind of be logically there, you know, be like critically in the moment and kind of think about like, what is the optimal play here? And then you'll start to pick up as you ask questions or as you see stuff, see certain patterns, you'll start to pick up things to ask yourself. Um, Another one that is an option for people without time, you mentioned coaching. That's one that I recommend to anyone who has more money than time which sounds kind of ridiculous, but as someone who, you know, I'm a full-time worker, Mm -hmm. I didn't have all the time in the world to practice, but I have enough disposable income to have hired a coach, which accelerated my game way faster. A handful of sessions of, you know, one one hour with someone who was very, very good at the game. I had Isaiah Williams who has quit in online, but, you know, he top cut worlds, won an IC, incredibly good player, very good at explaining things. Those hour sessions with him were way more helpful than probably playing six hours of PTCGO each, mm-hmm. you know, because we're able to go through every single thing. And that's really who can teach you how to question certain things. Another thing that you can really do to improve is video record your own games. This is something that I've been doing to improve. My YouTube video is my YouTube channel is full of me going over my own games. It's not for content. It's, I mean, it's partially for content, right? But it's also to look back at and improve on. And that's just, it's such a good thing, you know, figure out a way to record some of your games, go back and watch them, watch them critically. And the reason that's so powerful is you can pause, right? You can be like, okay, what do I do this turn? And -hmm. then when you sit there and think about it with a pause screen, you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I didn't even see that line of play or like, yeah. I guess that's another one is just have, have a plan. You know, I, I know I've kind of been all over the place, but every single point is, no, they're is all, quite they're relevant. All valid. And I was going to bring up uh, those it, videos that you, um, and that's actually kind of, I mean, I've heard, I heard the name uh, Mad Magic Art, but like the first video I ever seen of you was you just reviewing your own gameplay, mm-hmm. pausing it. Um, and then really thoughtfully, you know, trying to figure out what the optimal play is. And sometimes, uh, you, you know, you, you do the same play that you did on camera 
And you're like, yeah, that was the perfect play for the situation. But there are other times where you're like, what the heck was I ta- uh, thinking about? Because um, a lot of times, you know, in the heat of the moment in, in, a, in a tournament or on PTCGO, you only have, you know, 30 seconds or so to mm-hmm. make those decisions. So um, being able just to take a step back and, and really kind of thinking the game through when you have a little bit more time can kind of help you in the future for when you do, you're in that time crunch to make a decision. And you're like, oh, I remember this from there. Just even if it's just like subconsciously, you just, okay, uh, this is actually the better play to make. Right. And I think, I think, you know, again, you both are bringing up with the video recording is a lot of people will forget that, like, you know, they'll go and watch the video and be like, it was those hammers. If they didn't hit, I win. <laughs> and it's like, then you watch the rewatch the video and you're like, no, no, I shouldn't have played the Dene down with a power plant. That, yeah. <laughs> that probably really hurt me. Um, yeah. No. And, but the, again, that's, it's those things. It's those little things that if you're honest and you're brutal and you, again, when you come to reviewing yourself, I think that's the other thing is you have to be a hundred percent honest with yourself as you play. And a lot of players are not uh, because of, as you stated earlier, they don't have the time to really be honest and brutal with themselves. So if you don't have the time, uh, again, I'm I'm someone I know Jake has done it. I have not been able to, because I have zero time for anything, Uh, (laughs) but the coaching is definitely something very helpful. It's part of the reason why Jake walks into our local store and we'll just walk out with all the packs um, (laughs) for the day. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where, again, you're putting even if you paying attention and slowing yourself down, I think are, you know, again, what you're bringing up, Kevin, are just key factors to, to success in this game. Yeah. And uh, one thing I want to add to that, like, especially for newer players, if they're on ladder and say, you know, the game has become a, a, a unwinnable state for you, but there's still uh, meaningful game decisions to make that you don't just concede. Um, Sometimes you can work your way out of a game and make it actually close and sometimes even come back and win. Um, it, I think it just makes you a better player just to think, you know, thoughtfully, if something bad happened, you can still uh, make those decisions in a game that you're not favored in. So, yeah, I guess. I, that's just... Here's a question for you, Kevin, though. Um, you know, how do you handle like in, in, a, in a tournament and stuff when you're like trying to really analyze yourself later on how do you handle the tilt that you might experience while playing in <laughs> tournaments because i think a lot of players um don't have a good way of conveying how they express that i believe i you know i believe someone you're someone that does so <laughs> that's why i'm asking you this question uh are we talking irl or online because the way i do it is very different okay yeah, irl is <laughs> Uh, making friends in the game helps a lot to like <laughs> to yeah. mitigate the tilt because like in between rounds you go you go eh, complain to them they'll complain to you it's it's part of friendship right so like mm-hmm. that's that's a big thing irl to be able to do is you know have someone in between rounds to talk to hang out with the homies you go grab lunch together during the lunch break you know whatever it is that that's a big 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 deal online i am way 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 more tilted <laughs> than i get uh than I get in person for sure. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I wish I wish I knew why. <laughs> like, but if you ever watch my stream, you definitely see me get upset and be like, ah, but it's and you still go back and you're like, well, bro, something had to have gone wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. I refuse, I personally refuse to ever acknowledge like I lost because of bad luck. Sometimes you do. Oh, you know, if you draw oh, a pass every it. single <laughs> turn, there's nothing you can do, right? But so, you know, sometimes there's like you miss sequence to pokey gear. And so you dead drew. So it's really like, okay, let's go back and think about what was every single thing that I did. Where did it go wrong? Did my opponent actually get lucky? Cause like 
I've won games where my opponent hit four hammers and mm-hmm. I, you know, I played zero hammers. Then it's like, you, you can win those games. Are you mm-hmm. actually playing to your outs? Are you constantly preparing yourself? So in the middle of a game, not getting tilted is super important. One thing that I learned is this is just such a weird thing, but I heard, uh, you know, someone talking about why supercomputers beat humans at chess. The reason is humans have game plans and humans follow those game plans. Supercomputer don't care. Every single turn is a new turn where, okay, what is the optimal play for this turn? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of those things that you have to think about when you're trying to mitigate that tilt. Yeah. My opponent just hit three hammers and marnie me into a bad hand. <laughs> But now what is with this new hand and this new board state? What is the optimal play? I have to change my game plan. I have to figure out, okay, if I look at everything now, how am I going to win this game? Maybe my game plan is completely different. I'm now behind on prize trade because I have to electrify again or whatever you have to do. So it's really about like, you have to leave it in the past and you have to reevaluate every single board state, every single turn. So it's just really about like, just recognize Hey, that's the past. I can be tilted later and I will be, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but you just have to be like, Oh, that sucked. Let's try again. (laughs) Like this is a new turn or this is a new game. If it's a best of three or it's a new round, maybe I started Oh two, who cares? I'm not out of the tournament yet. So it's really just logically just like, okay, this is fine. What's the next step. You know, and I think that brings it back to a point that you said earlier when we were talking about meta stuff and what to play and what you should try and actually experiment with. Um, is that a good reason, also a good reason to learn how to understand to play like certain control decks at times? Not just to understand the control deck itself, but like as a player, if you're playing control deck, each round I viewed as, okay, here's here, how can I cause the most disruption to my opponent mm-hmm. if that's the goal of the deck uh this round now because the game state has changed you know do, do you see that kind of like as a good way to learn and evolve that as a player or is there or do you have any do you think there's any other techniques that players can do to kind of get, get on board with trying to that mental readjustment so that's actually a really good like question and it's going to lead into a quick story so one of the one of the first times I was getting coaching, Isaiah is a notorious control player. Uh, he's very very good at it too. He's had he not quit, I think he'd be up there with Sander as far as the like people talking about. But people sleep on him, unfortunately. Anyway, we were playing. Uh, I was playing Buzzrock. He's playing Zoro Control. Now a good coaching session should not be how do you play this matchup. How it's how to play the game. So I'm playing Buzzrock. He's playing Zoro Control, and I'm like he say, he says something like okay what play are we doing you know something like that. We're focusing on resource management. The idea of how do I beat this control deck? I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, I've never really played against control. I'm not sure how this works. And he says, what do you mean? You're playing a control deck. And I'm like, the heck, bro, it's Buzzrock. I'm just punching stuff in the face over and over again. (laughs) And then he's like, no, 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 you're a control deck. Okay, think about it this way. How are you controlling the game? Like, what are you trying to do? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to knock out your Zeruas. And he's like, exactly. You control the pace of the game. I try and slow it down and control your resources, control your hand. You try and speed it up and make me uncomfortable constantly. So this idea that every deck is a control deck has been something that I've kind of gone with. And people always laugh at me for it, but it's, it's a, it's a pretty logical thing. Cause you're like, how is it turned as a control deck? Because you knock out their V before they can evolve it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you're trying to control some part of the game as far as whether it's the tempo, whether it's their resources, whether, you know, whatever it might be. And so that's kind of been a pretty big like thing. 
as far as that goes. And after I kind of switched over to that approach of like, all right, you know, if I'm playing Buzzrock, I'm controlling by knocking out your evolving basics so you don't get to evolve so that you never actually set up. That kind of led into the idea of every turn. One of the things you can ask yourself is what will make my opponent the most uncomfortable? So when you're looking at a board state, you're like, what does my opponent not want me to do? Because that, that's what a control deck does, right? You're like, yeah. well, I don't want them to Jesse James this turn. And you're like, cool, right. then I'm going to Jesse James this turn, you know, or something like that. That's the same idea. Like if you're playing Senescorts, like what doesn't my opponent want me to do? It's like, well, they probably don't want me to go in with Heatran, take an Oko because they have no more energy on the field. So they don't have a backup Eternatus. So I'm going to go get my Heatran. You know, this stuff like that is usually a pretty effective way of like, if you do what your opponent doesn't want you to do, that's probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love the way you stated that. Um, that that's definitely resonates with me. So I have, uh, <laughs> I got to ponder that a little bit. But uh, uh, I, I agree with it. Um, yeah, pace of play definitely can put your opponent, um, maybe put them on tilt or make them play mm -hmm. um, suboptimally. Because yeah, hey, you got you got your Scorch uh, ready to go on uh, on your turn one with Volcanian or something like that. So it really puts pressure on them to get to their game state faster. Um, so definitely that 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 resonates with me for sure. <laughs> yeah, and like as ridiculous as it might sound, because there are people who are going to listen to that and be like, well, what about you know something like this? ADPZ is one of the ultimate control decks because currently we have to bench Dedenes and Crobats to win the game. Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, you're not allowed to do that or else I just win. And right. so that's one of those things where you're like, I am preventing you from playing your draw Pokemon. So you just have to play what you draw. Did you draw what you need? No, then I win anyway. Right. And so it's, it's, you know, everything kind of has this aspect in it of like, you're not allowed to do this or else I win. And then, you know, what decks take advantage of that the best are super important. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have one last question on my end here before uh, I, I, I swing it back to Jake here, because, you know, having you've gone through a coach uh, and I know this has definitely piqued a lot of interest from a lot of listeners, especially myself. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess the next question then is then how do you evaluate if you're getting what you want out of your coach? Because a lot of people are going to be like, ah, oh, it's, I'm not winning my turn. It's, it's my coach's fault. I guess as you, as you view yourself, um, then, you know, how, what, like, what questions can the player be asking themselves to go, this is the right coach for me. This has mm -hmm. been working or I need to start looking for a new coach. So, uh, Firstly, I do go over this more on a YouTube video I have. So if anyone listens to a little bit of this and is like, I want to know more, I do. I ramble on for like 15 minutes or something. So <laughs> watch that uh, <laughs> you, you can check that out if you want. But as a whole, one of the things that you should be looking for is do you mesh well with them? Are they talking at you or are they working with you? That's kind of a big deal. We've all had those teachers before. A coach is a teacher or a tutor yeah. or a, a coach like like a sports coach and a coach coach and a ptcgo coach or not P, ptcg coach or the same thing yeah you've had those coaches teachers tutors whoever who you're like you're trying but like i, I don't i'm not vibing with this cool find someone else it's fine like you're paying them you should be getting your money's worth and no one should ever be upset at that like no coach should ever be upset at that they if they are they were definitely not the right person for you it's like are you vibing with them? Are you actually working with them? Are they working with you? The thing that should be important is you don't have to look at their accomplishments. They should have accomplished something. 
you don't want to go with someone who's like, I top eight a Hegster once and that's it. And it's like, well, you know, I probably don't want you. But the difference between someone who's won multiple regionals and then someone who top cut one regional, that, that's probably not a huge, well, and one regional is probably not enough. But someone who's like day two multiple regionals and someone who's won multiple regionals, the difference in skill there probably isn't enough to counteract the difference in the ability to convey information. So they should be an accomplished player, but they don't have to be the best player. It's not that, well, this person's done more, so they must be better. That's yeah. not true at all. Like someone who's good at explaining things and someone who meshes well with you is super important. And another thing that should be happening is your coach should not be explaining matchups unless you ask for that. If you're like, I'm going into this tournament and I need to know how to play ADPZ against everything. Yeah, then they should. But if you're just going a generic thing, like I mentioned the Buzzrock versus Zoro control, I mean, obviously we talked about how to play that matchup, but it was like, what's the mentality behind jet punching a Zerua versus a Lele, you know, which people who played back then are kind of like, well, duh, but like, there's a reason why you make these plays. So it shouldn't be like, you know, it's, it's why, why are we doing these things? Why are we sequencing this way? You know, are you actually counting out your prizes? Are you actually figuring out your game plan every single turn? It should be the underlying theory of the TCG as opposed to the underlying theory of the specific matchup. Because if you only learn how to play matchups, you're only going to learn how to play a deck. You know, it's that like, mm -hmm. what, teach a man to fish versus give a man a fish, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You, you need to be taught how to fish. That way in the future, you can go grab a completely random deck out of a new format and be like, well, I have, I have the game plan. Like I know what to do. I know how to keep track of my resources. I know how to do this. I know how to sequence, I know, you know, whatever the other skills are. Yeah. So these are all things you should definitely be looking for. They should be a good player, but a better player doesn't mean better. Someone that you work well with, you know, they could be a nice person, but you're just like, I just, I'm not vibing. Cool. Go find someone else. And they should be teaching you how to play the game, not yeah. how to play a matchup. Unless that's what you want, which if you, that's what you want, that's fair. If you're going into players cup four, you know, the double limb part, or it's not double limb anymore, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then yeah, paying someone to help you sure up matchups is probably a good investment because there's money on the line now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we could talk Pokemon all day. This has been <laughs> so fun, and just the insight that to, to hear you explain on on multiple different topics. It's been awesome. Um, but unfortunately, you know, this is a podcast. We got to keep it to, you know, a, a, yes. a bite-sized piece. Uh, but before we go, do you have um, any shout-outs or plugs that you want to give out there? Yeah, uh, quite a few. So for myself, I stream on Twitch usually four days a week, uh, Mellow underscore Magikarp. I am usually pretty competitive on that one, uh, but I'm happy to answer questions, stuff like that. Uh, YouTube as well. My YouTube is much more educational. It is not just Twitch VODs. They're, every video is created for a reason. So if you're interested in getting better at the game, literally one of my only strengths in this game is that I'm a good explainer. I have a master's in education. I hope I'm good at it. So uh, <laughs> that's that's the point of that YouTube channel. Uh, what else? Oh, we have a podcast, uh, yes. Lake of Rage podcast. I am the host. We have a revolving door of co-hosts. Uh, we The topic changes, always PTCG related, but the topic changes every week. We're, we're doing our best. We're new. We're five episodes in, so we're getting better. Uh, you guys are doing a great job there. I've enjoyed every episode I've heard. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, last shout out to team, oh, not last, second to last, shout out to team Carpe Diz Rats, uh, the squad I'm on with a bunch of other people from Twitch. Uh, they're, they're all great. They're all going to co-host Lake of Rage with me throughout the throughout the season and whatnot. And then lastly, shout out to my sponsor, Tabletop Village. If anyone 
listening is from the Seattle area. They have a physical store as well as they sell on TCG player and stuff. You know, there's, there's only so much supply right now, but shout out tabletop village It's run by a homie of mine. And I am, I'm so happy that they're being successful and I want them to be more successful because again, if anyone's from Seattle, check out their store. It is everything we've ever dreamed of for a uh, competitive <laughs> Pokemon place. Like they, awesome. have, they have a bunch of space. They've got TV set up with switches. So when your friend makes top cut and you don't <laughs> you have something <laughs> to do, so it's, it's, it's great. Oh, that sounds so fun. fun. I can't wait to go live. <laughs> We're play. going to Seattle. <laughs> um, oh, that would actually be really cool. Uh, no, but thank you again for joining us here today, Kevin. And I'll, for all the listeners, I'll have all the links to that in the show notes below. Uh, he has an awesome link tree, so it's easy to get to everything there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you again for sh- coming on, talking about the game, talking about your experience uh with just teaching in general and also with coaching. I think a lot of players are very interested who are like looking at that players cup four, like you brought up and they're like, okay, how do I take this really serious? So, yep. um, which is awesome, which is good. You know, again, I think this is really neat and it's healthy for the game uh, as long as it's done with a, the proper mindset. So thank you again for coming on. And uh, Jake, do you have any final thoughts, final words? Nope. No, I think we're good. Awesome. So uh, that's going to be it. And hey, like we said, uh, check out all those channels and Twitches and um, uh, links down below. Uh, Thank you again, Kevin. And stay tuned. Uh, Again, we have a couple giveaways still going on. If you're on, if you subscribe to us on YouTube, you enter a chance to win a first trainer pack. Um, And also, if we get to 100 subs, Jake is giving away Players Cup 3 in PTCGO uh, swag. So box and sleeves up for grabs. Yeah. So again, and once we get to that number, uh, 100 subscribers, that's going to go a long way for us. And we'll, uh, you know, we want to give back to the group. So thank you again for everyone and see you next time. See ya. Thank you again for listening to the Triple P Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at PitPokePod. You can join our Facebook group and Discord server to play and chat all things Pokemon. Check out our YouTube channel, and we stream openings, matches, and events on twitch.tv slash Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast.